Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at gofundme.com slash f slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039s hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon all right time to swim down to atlantis and take a big old pee pee on that thing <laughs> all right i'm finally there and time to create this bubble so that i could pee without it getting in my mouth all right Ah, oh, sure is good. Hi, sir. Oh, shit. Who the f- Oh, Volko, what's going on, man? I was just here to say hi. Arthur, I sensed your presence. I thought you had come back to Atlantis to take on your mother's armor and quindant. You know it's your birthright to be king. My man, I have not come down here for that reason. Let me put it to you that way. It was, if I'm being totally honest to take one big pee-pee on this here Atlantean building. Good Lord, the disgrace of it all. When you said you sensed my presence, I think that you had some my pee in your mouth. Well, I'm starting to sense a little warmth right now. Uh, I gotta tell you, this is gross. You know, the mother boxes have awakened in the last couple weeks. We need you as our king. Uh, I sense that something else is coming. And it's something bad and dangerous. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself, so I can sense these things. I think you're sensing all kinds of things right now. Actually, let me make another bubble real quick. I'm going to take a dump on this place. Arthur, for goodness sakes. Fuck Atlantis. I throw shit into the ocean and I take shits all up on this motherfucker. Because I don't give a fuck. I am my own man. I suppose it'll at least make some fish food. Let me pull my pants on real quick. I'll grab a fish and white with it. Atlanteans, I have come to tell you to embrace the darkness and... What is... what is that? Are you... are you swimming in your own feces? My man, I had corn too, so uh... 
I don't care about conquering 100,000 worlds. I need to get out of here. Is that a candy bar? No, I'm afraid the future king of Atlantis has just soiled himself in the ocean. Can you believe that shit? I believe that shit. That shit is in front of me. It's getting in my ma- Oh god. I'm going to tell my nephew Darkseid this was not worth it. I don't even care about going home anymore. I'm getting the fuck out of here. Well, Arthur, I guess, in some ways, you have accomplished something that no one else has. Earth is safe again, thanks to your shit. Welcome, everyone, to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, Part 4 of Justice League, Snyder vs. Whedon. I am, once again, the man who knows too much about Batman. This is Ben Juan, and with me is my co-host. Man, if you Googled two white dudes and an Asian boy, you found the right spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if we're the top <laughs> results Oh, wait, maybe this, maybe this is the wrong one. <laughs> it's Andrew, Please let everybody. us know in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> let us know in the comments if that's how you found us. And then with us once again. <laughs> Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. <laughs> it's your old Uncle Joker back for more. <laughs> oh, shit, man. Oh, man. It is Zach is re- has returned as Uncle Joker. We did use the mother box to bring Dustin Lee Massey back from the dead. However, he went apeshit crazy and nearly killed all of us until uh, his wife showed up. So hopefully he will settle down. But uh, I just know that he will show up in the next one. It was How weird. Do I know his, that? Uh, his upper lip looked really funny. Yeah, I know, yeah, right? Weird. I'm sure what it was. It's, it's the side effect of what happens when you come back from the dead. <laughs> so, uh, we left off with uh, Snyder versus Whedon. In terms of the scores, we have Snyder 27, Whedon 1.5. So, I wonder who's winning this one. So, let's keep in mind we're only giving points to. We already know that Snyder has the superior cut. We're mainly giving points to Whedon if there's anything that's specifically in his cut that he brought to it that we liked. Not necessarily liked better, but that we liked. Shows you what we, how much we liked when it's still 1.5 under those stipulations. <laughs> so, doesn't look good. Uh, doesn't look good. So uh, there's a few sections here where it's open floor, where I kind of talk about some of the minor differences where there's not really a lot to talk about. And then there's full-on Snyder versus Whedon, where they're like, this is dramatically different. This is a completely different scene, or this is the same scene, but with a ton of differences in it. So. We will start off with kind of an open floor, which is the beginning of Chapter 4, Change Engine, which starts off at the GCPD rooftop. Now, both Snyder and Whedon have pretty much the same scene here, but Whedon cuts a lot from the Snyder version. First off, he cuts the full shot of Batman on the gargoyle, which is missing for some reason in his version, because I guess Whedon just didn't want one of Snyder's best shots of Batman to be in the movie. Uh, There's more Gordon reactions. In this, Gordon reacts to Cyborg in the Snyder Cut. He does not react to Cyborg in the Whedon Cut. It's just kind of like, oh, there's another guy here. Uh, <laughs> there's another moment where uh, Flash says they're not all going to fit in the Batmobile now that Cyborg's here. And Batman says, I have something bigger. He's referring to the Nightcrawler. Uh, but one of the weirdest things that's different is that uh, in the Snyder Cut, the location of where they suspect everything is, is Stryker's Island. Stryker's Island is a location in the comics as the penitentiary. It's featured as the penitentiary in Superman, the animated series. It's also also the location of the Doomsday fight in Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Uh, so there's a tie there. 
Whedon adds ADR where it's not called Strikers Island at all. It's called Braxton Island, which has no, there's no comic book Easter egg. They were deliberately paying actors to ADR over a comic book Easter egg name that nobody remembered. That's how severe the reshoots are in this. Uh, (laughs) It's ridiculous. That is dumb. Uh, My my very deep commentary right there. (laughs) That is dumb. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, from a musical score standpoint, the main difference is the Batman theme. Is we got Junkie XL's Batman theme in the Snyder Cut. Meanwhile, Danny Elfman brought back his Batman theme into the Whedon Cut. Probably one of the better scenes in the Whedon Cut, but, I mean, it's probably more so because it's nostalgia, not because it's, you know, particularly the best rendition of Danny Elfman's own Batman theme. So I'm not really going to give a point just for that on it. I might give a pity point, but, eh, whatever. It doesn't really matter. You all know who wins out here. <laughs> Uh, over to Snyder versus Whedon, though, into the tunnel, into the tunnel fight, because this is severely different on this. So, I got a whole bunch of, uh, I have a whole list here on all the differences. So, in this, in the Snyder cut, when they first arrive, Wonder Woman says that she senses the smell of death around. This is cut from the Whedon cut, because I guess uh, that was just too scary for uh, the Whedon cut. No smells uh, in the Whedon cut. Yeah, no smells. Not at all. <laughs> the, the Snyder Cut has the team approaching Steppenwolf, and it's longer, and they see Spider-Man. I mean, that's Spider-Man. <laughs> they see Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man's in the, in the Snyder Cut. <laughs> oh, damn, I have to check this out again. It's Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland wow. all in the Snyder Cut. Love it. <laughs> no, Love uh, it. Steppen- uh, they see the spider interrogators, the Starro spider interrogators that Steppenwolf is using on these people. So that's in uh, the Snyder Cut, obviously cut from the Whedon Cut. Uh, Whedon adds a part where Flash is afraid and admits to having never done battle and that he just pushes people and runs away. Snyder found out about this line and his reaction to that is, and I quote, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying they don't like each other? (laughs) Yes. He he didn't like that creative decision either. So uh, just the other day I read a comic book resources article that points to, well, Flash being able to time travel doesn't make sense because he says he's barely like all he's done is push people to run away i'm like that's in the whedon cut that's not in the snyder cut so like you need to rewatch this because clearly you got the two mixed up uh snyder clearly hates this addition of the fact that flash just push, pushes people and runs away because clearly he was saving uh iris west in the previous chapter uh in the snyder cut steppenwolf threatens the janitor howard and silas stone speaks up and yells he doesn't know anything and, and basically saves him Whedon, of course, cuts this heroic action from Silas, where Steppenwolf just throws the janitor away and uh, picks up Silas next. So that character moment is out. Uh, Snyder Cut also has Victor emotionally react to Steppenwolf threatening his dad before he swoops in to rescue him. He like he le- he yells, you know, the standard like no before he goes in. Whedon cut Victor just like comes up with his gun and he shoots, and then that's it. It's almost as if he were saving anybody, not really his dad. Uh, Steppenwolf's dialogue is different between cuts. The only line I liked in the Whedon cut is Steppenwolf saying that his axe was still... He says to Wonder Woman, my axe is still slick with the blood of your sisters. But I think uh, Snyder was saving Steppenwolf, uh, roasting Wonder Woman about killing Amazon still the third act. Uh, Flash and Cyborg work together to get the hostages out in both versions, but we see more details in the Snyder cut with Flash and Cyborg saving them from debris, which was amazing. That was awesome. Uh... Batman's gauntlets come in handy here, and Alfred gloats about it, but Whedon, of course, wanted to cut out all the fun, so he cuts that part out. 
in the Snyder Cut, Batman says, Alfred, I need the Nightcrawler, when he's being, like, basically surrounded and fired on all sides by the parademons after he's been used in the gauntlets. In the Whedon Cut, Batman says this earlier when he's getting his ass kicked by a parademon, so that doesn't that doesn't look good <laughs> for Batfleck there. Uh, in the Nightcrawler, when Batman shoots at parademons, he says, my turn, when in the Snyder Cut. In the Whedon Cut, he says the line, sorry, guys, I didn't bring a sword. What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whedon also yeah. has Batman add another comment when he sees Steppenwolf for the first time, and he says, Jesus, he is tall. Um, <laughs> in the Whedon version, Flash famously lands on Wonder Woman's boobs ripped right out of Avengers Age of Ultron because Whedon wanted to do that joke again where Mark Ruffalo fell on Scarlett Johansson. They'll get it this time, though. <laughs> they'll get it this time, yes. yeah. Yeah, they'll get it. Uh, it's gotta be. Yeah. Snyder has a scene of Cyborg of his dad outside where his dad is like, I wasn't sure you would come. And Cyborg was like, you're my father. And then he, and you know, his dad tells him to go back and help save people. So that was awesome. So because it was awesome, it was also cut. Uh, Cyborg goes into the Nightcrawler in both versions and fires at Steppenwolf. In the Snyder cut, he uses a machine gun first before he uh, hits him with a missile, which Steppenwolf catches. In the Whedon cut, he uh, thought that having Cyborg look less effective, I guess, was the way to go because he cuts Cyborg using the machine gun and simply has Cyborg be like, I got you, and he fires the missile and Steppenwolf just catches it. So Cyborg is completely ineffective in the Whedon version. Uh, Steppenwolf pieces out in the boom tube in the Snyder version after he uh, basically blows up the tunnel that brings in all the water, whereas in the Whedon cut, he stays to gloat and says, Mother is calling, because that's his fetish. Uh, <laughs> in the Whedon version... Flash talks about how he fears drowning as they leave. This was obviously added in, as well as uh, the ending where, at the end of the Snyder version, Cyborg just leaves, whereas in the Whedon cut, uh, when Cyborg leaves, he says the change engine before he leaves, and Flash, uh, it ends on the joke of Flash being like, did he just bail? So a lot more humor, a lot less badassery in the tunnel fight. What did you guys think? Over to Zach. Oof, that was a lot. So... I knew that in my heart, I knew Batman was more lame in this movie, in the Whedon cut. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I remember not in the not in the Snyder cut, but I remember you know we've talked about that, Andrew. You you can't understand why I like Suicide Squad's Batman better than this one, but that mm -hmm. was why I hated it. There was just so many times where just they really made him Whedon made him look lame with these changes. I had forgot about some of that dialogue, Ben. The whole thing about him not bringing a sword, and it was just like. I don't know that and him being overpowered by like one parademon and being the nightcrawler he was so much cooler in this version you could see he's still holding mm -hmm. his own against these uh, not supernatural forces but alien forces and it doesn't make him look ineffective in any way so yeah overall everything was better everything was cooler the music was better got that Wonder <laughs> Woman theme in there yeah. while they're kicking ass and uh it makes Steppenwolf look more imposing. So, yeah, everything I feel like was better. And I remember thinking that the Nightcrawler was stupid in the Whedon cut, and yeah. I didn't feel that way in this one. So I don't know what it is. Maybe my attitude was already just better going into it. But, I yeah, yeah I, I just think it was better as just about everything else has been. Andrew? I still don't love the Nightcrawler. Um, design <laughs> I don't know I'm not the I'm, crab <laughs> yeah the crab I don't love that uh, that's one of the few negative things I could say about it but it it's better used than this one that's for sure I agree with you on that point just design wise I just don't love it for some reason but uh, the boob the her flash falling on the boobs 
<laughs> so Gal Gadot, and I say Gadot because she's Israeli. It's Gadot. Uh, not Gadot, French. Yeah. If it was, she was French, it'd probably be Godot, but I'm saying Gadot because she's Israeli. Right. If I could be wrong about that, maybe it's Gadot. I don't know. I think it's I think it's Gadot actually. Gadot. Um, I still kind of want to say Gadot though. <laughs> <laughs> Falling on gals' boobies. So um, it was bad. Um, what else? What else can you say about <laughs> it? Thanks for the insightful comment. The insightful commentary. No, but it was uh, okay. What I was trying to say was. Gal was not there for that reshoot. She didn't want to do it. It was a body double. It was a body double for that, right? She refused mm-hmm. that scene. And she, uh, the, Whedon was like, I will have my way anyway. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, the, the rumor is it that the big dispute, one of the big disputes was over that uh, on it, well, where Gal didn't want to do it, and Joss was apparently pretty hostile towards her about not wanting to do it and ended up uh, doing it with the body double. You see, and, I run uh, Hollywood, okay? <laughs> Apparent, there are also shots of the body double in other scenes with the mocap dots on her where apparently she did the scenes and Gal Gadot's face was uh, CG'd over hers. And if that's the case, then, again, better CG than what they did to Henry Cavill's face in this movie. But it is. There was a lot. There was a lot going Maybe re- on. Maybe replacing a weird. whole face is easier than replacing just a mustache. <laughs> just part of the face. Half. Yeah. <laughs> half face is obviously much harder, it seems like. Um... Yeah, I mean, obviously Snyder, again, um, it does point to, like, further internal strife, doesn't it, with uh, Gal Gadot uh, and... her just not wanting to be a part of it. <laughs> like she's I mean, like, why would she? Fuck the con- we've already, the contracts are damn near out the window at this point. We yeah. got a fucking uh, <laughs> CG fucking slug on his Cavill's face. We're shooting half the movie over again. Gadot, Gadot's out. She's out. Like, yeah. I mean, she was there for a lot of the scenes, but she was definitely, I don't know. I just, it was a fucking mess, dude. What a mess. Yeah. And again, like, if you're assigned to redo the movie, why are you redoing these parts? Just, like, as far as I'm concerned, especially because of the fact that a majority of this was already shot, the most stuff that was reshot in 2020 was the stuff at the very end. Most of this was already shot. Why are you redoing stuff to make stuff lamer uh, when you can just cut stuff down? It just feels like, again, a deliberate attempt to just make things look bad is what it seems to be, which is leading to my thesis that I'll share at the very end of the series on why Whedon was doing all this. But it, it's, it yeah. seems like a very deliberate attempt to, to just go for mediocrity in here, and that's exactly what happened with the Whedon cut. You think he knew that the uh, boob fall was bad? Or do, does he, do you think that we, uh, Whedon really loves that? Mm, could Truly. be a combination of both. <laughs> like, remember where Ray Fisher said that he was frustrated by the response from Age of Ultron, and that's kind of like there was a feeling of, right. if uh, you didn't like this lad in this movie, you know... <laughs> I'm just gonna put it in here, that type of stuff. So I, uh, it wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, there's a lot of ego going on, I think, when it comes to what happened with the 2017 Whedon cut. Uh, <sighs> all of the Whedon Man. changes are downgrades. I think we can all agree. Yeah. Flash is braver. Batman's more of a badass in the, in the Snyder cut. Cyborg's connection to his dad is much stronger, more emotional. His dad is more heroic just in that one little bit where he stands up for the janitor. The only possible thing I might like is that Whedon's version is a little less abrupt about Cyborg leaving, but Wonder Woman explains that anyway in, like, the next scene. So it's not really, again, it's not really point-worthy. This is the scene where we see Silas get, like, uh, threatened by Steppenwolf? Yeah, where he holds him up and he's like, you know, he's like, I'll die before I tell you is when he tells Steppenwolf. And then Cyborg comes in to save him. This is key for uh, Cyborg's arc. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, this is this is the heart of the film right here. I mean, it's, you you could blink and miss it kind of, but I think that this is really like a crux point for Cyborg's character. You definitely blink and miss it when it comes to the <laughs> the Whedon cut. Oh, well, like it's just not there. It's, you can't yeah, you blink and miss it. It's not there. Anything. <laughs> 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 it just seems like oh business as usual as he goes to save his dad as opposed to this one where like clearly yeah he would be emotional about it that's his fucking father of course he's he would have been too angry if he had an arc though so <laughs> yes <laughs> sorry clearly we can't we can't have this cyborg having human emotion he has a dick now though so it's okay we've made it's up okay for and it. he says booyah yeah. he says booyah yeah totally uh, okay. totally fine all right, a few open floor things. So uh, after this, Steppenwolf returns to Russia, frustrated that he uh, didn't get his uh, his mother box, but he does learn that the anti-life equation is on Earth. So that is cool. Uh, and then we get to the aftermath of a battle. The Snyder Cut has an added scene to add to the Silas Stone subplot about him having to go into quarantine and that he wrote the rules on that, which was cool. Of course, that's cut from the Whedon version. Uh, and then we cut to Wonder Woman explaining that Cyborg went to get to the mother box, which... He returns with at that point. Where he's just like, you know, Steppenwolf doesn't have it. I do, he says when he comes back. Now, uh, here's something interesting. There is a moment in the Whedon cut that is not in the Snyder cut with Batman and Gordon. So in the Whedon cut, Gordon says, you know, millions of structural damage. You haven't lost your touch to Batman. And then says that it's good to see you playing well with others. In the trailer, Gordon's full line was good to see you playing well with others again, which is likely a reference implying Batman's history with Robin and potentially other sidekicks. Uh, Aquaman then shows up to say, dressed like a bat, I dig it. Uh, in that, uh, However, this is not part of the Whedon reshoot. This is shot by Snyder because J.K. Simmons is on record saying he, he has never met Joss Whedon. He was never part of those reshoots. So we know that was shot by Snyder. It looks like Snyder took it out because maybe he just didn't like that joke with Aquaman, which is kind of a payoff to Aquaman being like, you know, dressed out of, you know, just like a bat. You're out of your mind, Bruce Wayne, when he swims off in uh, earlier in the movie but you know i don't think we really needed that payoff uh in there i do like seeing gordon more mm -hmm. of gordon is always good but uh you can't really do that scene without jason momoa coming in and saying that line so that's probably why that was cut in there uh we then go back to russia where dark side arrives and we finally get to meet dark side voiced by the great <laughs> ray porter who uh, you know commented on one of our tweets recently which then blew up so thank you for that mr porter hail <laughs> hail, hail dark side <laughs> hail dark side hail dark side <laughs> so uh so he then finds out that anti-life the anti-life equation is there until steppenwolf to continue with the invasion uh the whedon version replaces all of this with the russian family who gets invested with parademons and a little girl pulls out bug spray so Jesus Christ! I mean, just the just the level of like we have literally show you dark side versus uh, now we're just gonna replace that with this random Russian family you do not care about that just eats up screen time. Why are they there? Why are they in a fucking radiation infested fucking well, place? It's, it's not a radiation infested place in the Whedon cut. It's just oh, but still close. Oh, but there's no there's no nuclear power plant kind of deal going on at all. I mean, and I think it looks like a nuclear. I think it looks like a nuclear. He power just doesn't plant, mention it being uh, poisonous yeah. or radioactive. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. So I say we automatically give the point to Snyder on this one because Jesus Christ, like, we have Dark Side in this movie, and it's replaced by that bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but I do want to open something for. 
I want to open something for a discussion before we get to the next part, which is a lot of people have criticized the fact that it seems like Darkseid forgot the anti-life equation was on Earth. Uh, and uh. Snyder does have an explanation for this, and we can chime in in terms of how much we buy that explanation or we agree or disagree with that. So I'm going to have uh, Snyder come in and uh, let us know what that was. He almost died when he returned to Apocalypse. He was in a fight for power, and much time passed before he was in a position of power again, and by then, all who had been with him had been slayed. All right, so that's the explanation. What do you guys think? Like, did that bump you in the movie, or do you think it's fine? Like, what do you guys think? I didn't even realize he had already known that it was on Earth. I thought he was just coming to Earth to conquer it like any other world. Uh, it's mentioned in the history lesson when Diane is talking about it. Okay, maybe I did miss that. Well, it doesn't really... His explanation doesn't make sense, because why would Darkseid himself forget? Just because he was heavily injured he just kind of forgot that it was there i don't know it doesn't bug me or anything that i guess he forgot about it but i didn't, re I didn't realize until you brought it up <laughs> <laughs> all right over to andrew his whole race on Deetra was over there on earth the whole time <laughs> yes. um yeah so it's a little bit of a plot hole i guess but and maybe they should have made it or, you know, they should have made a bigger point of it, maybe. Like, oh, I was going to conquer Earth anyway, but this shit's there as well. My yeah. race on Detra is there. You know what I mean? So um, they didn't do that. So maybe it's a little weak in that regard, but I don't know. Yeah. I still, like, what was Whedon's alternative, though? There was no anti-life equation. At all. I'd rather didn't be have... in there in a bad way than not yeah. there at all. Wien's alternative was the Russian family. Oh, yeah. oh well, that's a definite, definite dark side, uh, definite Snyder on that one. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th I think, like, I, I get what he's going for here. I think that this could have been fixed a little easily, easily by, you know, maybe... Diana doesn't say that he was looking for the anti-life equation. He was just invading in search for it, and he just didn't get the chance uh, because he was defeated beforehand. Or it's a case where the anti-life equation just, like, changes around, so you never really know where it is. It's supposed to be in the mother box? In one of the mother box? Or when the, all three of them get together, he well, can see the anti-life equation? Or how does he get it from Earth in this movie? How is he trying that, to get it? I thought it was the mark in the ground that was burned in was, like, the it, equation. It is. He, the, the, when he... When Steppenwolf comes back, the two mother boxes that he's captured give him that vision that the anti-life equation is there now that he's close to getting it. So when the mother box, the three mother boxes come together, they form the unity to help him basically destroy the entire world and turn it into apocalypse. So all that they need to do is do that to a planet that has the anti-life equation and Darkseid has the anti-life equation in order to destroy humanity. With just the snap of his fingers. No, that's the other guy. <laughs> Would he, doesn't it help him destroy like all life in the universe, or he he has no. the ability to do so? Anti-life equation is a preview for our uh, Patreon. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> yes, or yes. it's a, not a preview at this point when this episode releases. But yes. um, the uh, anti-life equation helps uh, whoever has it can uh control everybody's will everybody everybody every sentient life form in the universe they don't die 
they just become mm-hmm. the person's subjects. Mm-hmm. You're bent, yeah. bent to their will. You, you, they lose free will. Mm-hmm. Which is what happens to Superman in uh, the Nightmare Vision. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just like, yeah, it is a thing, but if I were to compare that to like a whole bunch of other plot holes in other comic book movies, we would be here all day. So it's just like, <laughs> yeah, like, all right, fine. Like, I'll buy into it compared to other stuff we've had to talk to talk about here. So anyway, Snyder 29, Whedon 1.5. That one was one of the more valid points against Snyder, but it's still... I would say so, yeah. A, the, but the Whedon alternative wasn't great, though. Was The Whedon alternative was no alternative at all. Yeah, it yeah. was pretty bad. If Whedon th- had thought of something better than the Russian family or something, maybe we would have mm-hmm. given that point to Whedon right there, but what he did, and you know, maybe because of Crunch or he's just a raging asshole, I don't know, I never <laughs> met the guy, but it does seem... It seems bad, so... Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, next Snyder versus Whedon is the scene where the team sort of all talks together as a group. So the Justice League go to the Wayne Aerospace hangar in the Snyder version. However, Joss Whedon made it look like that area was in the Batcave, which was another thing that Snyder was just like, that makes no sense. <laughs> because that area is not seen at all in the Batcave. The Batcave is literally just the elevator, that little area with the lab and the mm-hmm. computer. Right. And uh, the area for him to uh, park the Batmobile. <clears throat> so... The original scene has, from Snyder is a flashback showing how the mother box is tied into the creation of Cyborg, where apparently it was found in World War II. Uh, World War, uh, sorry, World War, I said World War II, I meant Whedon, but you know, might as well be the same. Uh, Whedon relegates, <laughs> Not that bad. <laughs> Whedon relegates all of this to dialogue and actually breaks continuity here. So in the Whedon cut, Victor says Silas Stone got the mother box, and the mother box never woke up or did anything until the night Superman died, and then when it woke up. Silas Stone used it to turn him into Cyborg. This goes against Batman versus Superman because Batman versus Superman had Diana open up the email containing Cyborg's origin on the night that Superman fought Batman. So this fucks up a lot of the continuity in the Whedon cut. And yet Warner Brothers considers the Whedon cut to be canon. They Moving still on. do? <laughs> they still do, yeah, according to, uh, oh, according to Snyder. Belligerent. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yep. Because obviously we made no mistakes. Uh, there should be this. a Snyder canon, though, and then like you know the rest of the movies are outside of that canon if they want. <laughs> right. But there should be, an, <laughs> like we said in that tweet, there should be an ongoing Snyder canon at least. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like you know? people, critics of the restore the Snyderverse movement are saying like you guys just want Snyder movies and and that's it. I'm like no no no. We're saying he continues his vision and that world while other people get to do their own thing. If Todd Phillips wants to come back to do another Joker movie, he's welcome to. David Sandberg's already coming back to do another Shazam movie. You know, nobody's asking to get these movies canceled. They're simply asking for there to be Justice League 2 and 3, potentially a Batfleck movie, you know, other things that are part of this universe. That's all. If there are people asking Mm. for that to be canceled, we do not support that at all. And the fans also, I think, it it sucks that they just weren't able to pull off of MCU, a cohesive unit, um, but we can still get good movies, even if they're not all like one continuity, like Marvel is. Mm-hmm. Um, people, uh, I mean, you know, just honestly, just got to get over that with DC. Like, Joker is obviously its own thing, way its own thing, Shazam its own thing. Uh, Aquaman, loosely connected by one half of a line, I think Mira says in the beginning. But like, yeah. mostly, <laughs> mostly its own thing. Even though that's like as closest to Snyderverse. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably not Snyderverse at this point. You know what I mean? Like, just 
don't expect you know the you know DC to do the exact same thing. If you're a big fan of world building, it's going to be a hit for you, I think. But um, you know, mm. there's still characters, there's still plot, there's still you know, still can be great movies. They're just going to be a little bit more, um, you know, more like one shot comics in a sense than than a big world. I don't know yeah. why I went on this big fucking tangent, but I don't, I don't know. know either. It just feels <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> what, what fucking brought me here? What brought me to here? I don't know anymore. I was I was just talking about Cyborg getting created in Batman versus Superman. Are you talk about it being uh, WB still considering Whedon's version to be canon. Oh yeah, yeah. Whedon's <laughs> canon. Yeah. What was Whedon canon? That was the thread, and then I fucking yes. went off. I don't know why I did that, but it's still valid, everybody. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely is. Uh, the original scene uh, from Snyder has Victor basically being challenged by the rest of the team, being like, how do we know we can trust you? Because clearly you know stuff that we don't about this mother box. And so Victor goes into how he was trained into Cyborg. Uh, while in the Whedon cut, we lose focus on Cyborg because he's just like, here's some exposition on what my dad did. And everyone's just like, that's nice. Let's talk about resurrecting Superman. And then the rest of the, the Whedon cut is Bruce and Diana arguing about whether or not to resurrect Superman. Uh, in the Snyder version, it's a funny contrast because the League is already on board with the idea. They like come together with that idea to resurrect Superman based off the fact that it helped uh, heal Victor, which was amazing to me because I'm just like, oh, so Cyborg's existence inspires them to resurrect Superman. Mm-hmm. That was not conveyed in the Whedon version at all, uh, in that, but it's totally in the Snyder version. We also get stakes established in the Snyder Cut where they're just like, well, if we resurrect Superman, we have to wake up the Mother Box. If we wake up the Mother Box, then my contact Steppenwolf, so we have to take this risk. That's a lot more dramatic than the Whedon Cut where it's just like, let's resurrect Superman, says Batman, and everyone's just like, Batman, you're crazy. And then that's pretty <laughs> much the, the scene. And then Batman and, and Diana arguing in front of everybody who just sort of stand around. So anyways, differences between Snyder and Whedon in this. What do you guys think? Ooh, you know... um, that really is a big change to have cyborgs uh, recreation inspire them to use the mother mox to bring superman back to life because now that you say that that makes sense i never really mm-hmm. understood why they used the mother box to bring superman back to mm-hmm. life in the whedon cut i didn't really get it i was just like okay they're dropping the box on him and and flash is making like lightning at the same time and uh, I didn't really get it. But yeah, it makes so much more sense when you know that it's a changing machine and it has those properties to, you know, revive someone in a way. So yeah, that makes so much more sense now. And I like that they are all on board with Batman's idea rather than it being a controversial take. I mean, that's why you're all there. Like why else, what are you gonna do otherwise? So yep, Mm -hmm. uh, again, Snyder points to Snyder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, Andrew. Yeah, it's it's a broken record at this point, I guess. But <laughs> it's just, yeah, I, I don't. I didn't realize that until you said it, um, until you told me there. But uh, yeah, it being cyborg, cyborg's sheer existence causes everybody to think differently about the mother box because up until this point, the characters associate mother boxes more with dark side. Probably they probably think they're evil, mm-hmm. but then they learn about cyborg's story in the snyder cut and um they're more of a tool and it depends on who uses them in a sense they can create and destroy um so yeah that's a lot better 
Um, yeah. And it's just more cyborg shit taken out. And mm-hmm. it's also like, <clears throat> you know, again, it's it's not like Snyder being edgelord grandmaster here. Like, this is a real character arc, real storytelling, uh, makes sense, not douchebaggery at all. Don't know why this particular thing was cut, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it, it makes sense in really every way possible. Uh, it's uh, I I don't know, man. <laughs> Ray Fisher just sounds more and more. I mean, I always pretty much believed him, but it's it, just the more I hear about it, it's it's not. It just doesn't sound good, does it? Nope, not at all. <laughs> now I'm but. now I'm thinking of Grandmaster Edge Lord. Like the funny thing is, I I still I still see people criticize Snyder as being like you know we want heroism we don't want like grim dark characters who are all like cynical and violent I'm just like that's not really in this movie though like that's not I can see what you mean right in the previous ones but this one absolutely not yeah Cyborg's not like that Batman's not even like that Uh, Superman's not like that like it's it's none of that aspect is in here it's now but people sort of have that perception now. Unfortunately, that's due to the previous movies, and you know I can kind of see what they mean by that. But the intention was always to to sort of have Batman vs Superman be the Empire Strikes Back of this sort of trilogy to right. have Batman act out a character, to have Superman be at one of his darkest moments, and that type of stuff. I just don't think people were ready for that, nor was it uh, as we talked about in the Batman vs Superman series, nor was it conveyed as well as it could have. Um, it's just weird coming opinion. from yeah, and it's just weird coming from from weed and the guy that brought us Avengers one specifically that's for me like a guy the guy the guy I know it's why the DC guys hired him but the guy mm-hmm. known for taking comic books to the screen making it pitch perfect beautiful wonderful especially Avengers one I think um, and should know a thing or two about storytelling but takes out stuff like this it's just I find it's just hard it's hard to process that it seems like they just wanted the scene of Bruce and Diana arguing and having a little bit more of Bruce and Diana at odds for some reason. And I get that, you know, you've said in the past, like, it was so much like the Avengers scene. To me, it it's less that because the Avengers scene is all of them arguing. Right. Here, it just feels sloppier because in the Whedon version, it's literally Bruce and Diana, and you got Aquaman, Cyborg, and Flash just kind of just, like, watching and listening in. As opposed to the Snyder Cut where... They're all around this table. The camera circles around all of them. They each sort of have a line and get a say. It feels more interactive. It feels like a team. Whereas Whedon's just like, no, I'm mainly just interested in Batman and, and uh, Wonder Woman in this. And them arguing and Batman being an asshole to her for some reason. The more and more you explain this, it's, it's just it's, it gets worse <laughs> for Whedon, doesn't it? Also, Whedon has Aquaman steal stuff from the Batcave. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, really? What does he steal? He's just like, I don't know, he like steals a battery or something. He like looks around and then he takes something and puts it in his pocket while Bruce and Diana are talking. I don't know where that came from. I feel like Jason Momoa was not given anything to do and he was just like, all right, well, I'll just fuck around and do this. And we didn't kept it into the cut. <laughs> like, that's what it seems like to me. I mean, he's, he's kind of uh, in ne'er-do-well mode at this point, but still it's like, I don't know. It's a little bit like, why have that? Like yeah. people talking about him um, littering. But he's not quite Aquaman yet. He doesn't like the Atlanteans either at this point. So, I mean, you know when he throws the bottle into the water? This is a different scene. That's true. Yeah, yeah, So no, it's I, just I, like... I agree it's, with that. It's, you could say Snyder's being an edgelord kind of here, but he can still back it up because he's not fucking Aquaman yet. Yeah. You know? That's why other... 
other people are just like, well, he gives fish to the people, but he talks to the fish. They're, they're his friends. I'm just like, well, he's not the he's not Aquaman, really, yet. He's not the Atlantean king. He refuses to be the Atlantean king. He's just looking out for, you know, whoever he can, but he doesn't really give a shit about Atlantis. Not until this movie. If he could not take a piss on movie. Atlantis and it not <laughs> the piss not float around, he would at this point. He, he probably does, already has. He does not like it. He'll make a bubble <laughs> and piss on it in the bubble. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then swim away. I feel like we have a sketch. <laughs> My man, that's me. Vocal arrives and just like I could, I could sense the piss. <laughs> I taste a little it's bit a warm of spot uh, here. It's a little, little bit tangy here. Is that Do you know how much I sacrificed? It's not Lex this time. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the only line I liked in the weaving cut in the scene is Bruce saying, I have a contingency plan for that, because it's just cool to hear Batman talk about contingency plans in a Justice League movie. Uh, considering what it's related to, though, I'm not going to give the point to Whedon on that, but uh, it is cool that that was in there. I remember liking that moment, at least, in the theater. But compared to the original scene by Snyder, it's not even close. So... Snyder, 30, Whedon, 1.5. We have one more scene of part four before we get to the break and and tackle part five, which is uh, the scene where Martha goes to visit Lois Lane. This is a huge difference. So Martha visits Lois in both versions. Whedon, uh, Snyder has the scene in in Lois's apartment. Whedon has it at the Daily Planet. Whedon also places the scene much earlier in the movie where the Star Labs janitor gets kidnapped. And he adds in some humor from a news report where the janitor's wife is on the news and is swearing all the time about how aliens are going to probe her husband and that she's going to probe them back and and Lois has to put it on mute. Uh, that was fucking stupid. Uh, <laughs> in, the, in, the, um, in the Snyder version, Lois is at home and has not been to work since Clark died, as opposed to Whedon where she's back at the planet but is just covering puff pieces which we find out when a random reporter comes in to talk to Lois. Now, we've talked about Joss Whedon cutting out all the people of color in this movie, but not going to give him a point for this, but I do have to be fair and and point out that he does add in this random Asian reporter into his reshoots, into this very forgettable scene with a very forgettable character. But obviously between him and Ryan Choi, I'll pick Ryan Choi (laughs) between the two. Uh, Martha connects to Lois in both versions. Uh, In the Whedon version, there's a notorious joke where Martha says that Clark once called Lois, quote, the thirstiest woman he's ever met before correcting herself to mean hungriest in regards to her being a reporter. This humor is absent in the Snyder version because it's about two women talking about losing someone they loved. So of course that's good. Well, I mean, technically two women talking about somebody, we'll get to that in a bit, but uh, they're talking about the grief over Clark and Martha in the Snyder version tells Lois to go back to the land of the living and go back to work. And when she leaves, we find out that she is not Martha Kent at all, but is actually Martian Manhunter. As opposed to the weeded version where it seems like that was the real Martha. So, a lot to unpack on the scenes. This is actually one of my favorite scenes in the Snyder Cut because of just the level of emotion, which is not met at all by the Whedon Cut. So, I think that's pretty obvious where I stand. Where do you guys stand on this, starting with Zach? I do like the scene better. It does kind of take away from it a little bit, the fact that it isn't Martha at all uh, having that conversation with Lois, but... It is great to have that cameo uh, for Martian Manhunter. So it's still great. I mean, he's still using his abilities to try to connect with Lois and, you know, get her back into like civilization, essentially, to try to pull to try to pull her out of her depression. So you can still see it as a another character caring 
for her. So yeah, it's still a plus for Snyder. But I didn't think about it till later that yeah, that was a nice conversation between two people that were grieving over Superman that knew him intimately, and now it's like, well, I guess that wasn't one of them really. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew. Yeah, it's better, and it's cool to see Martian Manhunter. Uh, but would you? Is, do you think that this was part of the plan the entire time, uh, for for her to be Martian Manhunter there, or was this like? Snyder going through and like getting ready for the reshoots for his reshoots and he was like trying to find a scene in which to inject Martian Manhunter uh, and not just a, not have him just show up at the end this was an idea that he had before I think he was taken off the project because of the fact that Henry, Harry Lennox did not know he was Martian Manhunter until uh, Snyder leaked out the storyboard on Vera of Martha turning into uh, Martian Manhunter, I think back in, I want to say 2019. It was before the HBO Max uh, was greenlit to show the Snyder Cut. So he hadn't sh he hadn't shot it. It was just existed as a storyboard. So Snyder had the idea that that was going to be Martian Manhunter, or as some fans call him, Martha Manhunter in that scene. <laughs> I didn't know and about that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Super <laughs> Inframan sent me a whole bunch of stuff about people saying, wait a minute, does that mean Martian Manhunter was Martha the whole time? <laughs> and a whole bunch of stuff so uh, <laughs> it, it gets kind of crazy that would be hilarious uh but yeah it does seem like that was his idea for the reveal uh but yeah uh, i'll go into my thoughts when it's my turn but did you have any more andrew well i mean so he had that idea of the when he was storyboarding for his reshoots but do you think that was part of the original original plan when he was shooting in 2016 he, or whatever he wasn't storyboarding for reshoots it was 2019 he hadn't gotten the but i mean light. not for reshoots but like for the original Justice League before Whedon happened. Oh, you mean reshoots for 2017? Or is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, just whatever Snyder's original plan was before Whedon, before everything. Was this? Mm -hmm. Do you th do you know anything about that? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. We don't we don't really know that much in terms of when he came out with that idea because you and I kind of had the theory that like maybe some of that was just like uh, people think that this guy's Martian Manhunter. That'd be cool. Let's just do it. You know, like right. I, I don't know. If that was the plan all along. Harry Lennox did, is on record saying that Snyder deliberately wanted him and Man of Steel to be the only one who's not afraid and doesn't back away from the glass when Superman goes to the glass in Man of Steel. Okay. But that could just be Snyder thought that would be a cool character moment for Swanwick because he's that um, much of a veteran. I've heard that the only things that Snyder did reshoots for for the Snyder Cut for HBO Max was the scenes of Martian Manhunter and the uh nightmare scene yeah at the end so uh yeah because harry lennox had not shot anything for justice League, yeah uh, back in 2016 but he might have planned on it i guess if uh originally when they were still creating the 2017 version yeah it works out organically it just feels like a little bit injected in there i agree yeah um but it's just cool to see martian manhunter and um yeah, I mean, to see the two, well, I guess she's he's a woman in that scene. The two women mm -hmm. grieving, uh, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's Snyder, I guess. Yeah, what, what's, the, what's the alternative? <laughs> the alternative was thirst jokes yes. and a oh, woman on TV yeah. talking, about, yeah. talking about her husband getting probed. So. Fucking thirst jokes, dude. So, uh, no, I mean, it's obviously goes to Snyder because this is so much more emotional. Like, it's... The, setting it in Lois's home in the shadows just makes you feel like 
she's in mourning. Like, I feel mm. a lot more for Lois in this one than in Whedon's, where she's, like, in a brightly lit office kitchen. Everything's all flatly lit. And I don't usually pay attention to this shit, but most of the time, uh, it's kind of hard not to when you watch the scenes back to back and you're just like, this is so much better. Jesus, like, there's so much more emotion to it. You have them breaking down. Lois is talking about how, like, there's no, you know, I'll never love anyone more than your son, like, that type of stuff. Uh, I do agree. I wish this was actually Martha and not Martian Manhunter. It feels like there's a genuine connection between the two characters in kind of a weird way to introduce the fact that Swanwick is Martian Manhunter. I probably would have preferred that reveal to be him revealing that to Lois or Lois and Superman at the end since he actually knows them. He doesn't know Batman. Um, But because it's so more it's so emotional hearing Martha talk about like everyone sees the symbol and I can't talk about how proud I am of my son. And I'm just like, oh, that's it's heartbreaking. And then when you find out that's Martian Manhunter, I'm just like, is he assuming that's what Martha would say? Is, did he read Martha's mind? And then he came up, like, there's a fan theory going around that I like where John Jones went to Martha first as Lois, heard Martha say all this, and then he's going to Lois saying all the stuff that Martha told him, which I like. And now both women just think that they went to, you know, that they, that they met up. Weird but kind of manipulation on his part, though. No. But, yeah, it's a, a fan theory. Honestly, I'm like, if you had to cut anything, I'm like, because, uh, again, like, don't reshoot this scene with that stupid shit that, that Whedon did. Yeah. Just have the same scene, but just cut the Martian Manhunter reveal and just keep it as Martha. And I think it's, it's fine, and still, I think it works better that way. You still get him at the end. Yeah, I think so, yeah. too. It, it yeah. really feels like the two women are connected and not, uh, and not Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yeah, I think maybe that's a that's a that's a cut that could have been made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, that is Snyder thirty one, Whedon one point five. We are done with chapter four already, and we are going into the break. Coming back with chapter five. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks we do linguistic analysis, so the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine, but so the changed meaning in Japanese it means to temper. Other times we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Oh, I think you're You can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Yes, hello, Wayne Manor. Who are you? The name is Glorious Godfrey, and I'm here to tell you the word of our Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord, another one of you. Okay. Yes, the Dark Lord himself, Darkseid. He is truly wondrous. Well, that definitely piques my interest. Usually this is about the other fellow. Heavens no, not that guy. This is about the one whose beams are Omega, whose beams are not straight, and also the one that will free you from that burden known as free will. Yes, yes, I'm quite familiar with uh, the Omega Beams. Let me just, uh, I'm pressing this red button here, just alerting my master. Don't uh, do not uh, worry about what I'm what, doing what here. What would that just, be? D- don't I worry have, about I it, don't uh, worry about oh, it. Oh, okay. Would you like some tea? That would be lovely. Okay, here we go. I've had some prepared as uh, I wait Ooh, for the master. Ah. <laughs> so yes, please tell me more about your uh, connection to uh, the Lord Darkseid. Uh, yes, the Lord Darkseid, he has freed tens of thousands of planets from the bondage of their own wills and hopes to do the same here on Earth. 
Indeed, indeed. Now, uh, tell me exactly what the plans are for this. Hold on, you can speak uh, right into here. This will record this, just just for my own reference, of course. Uh, indeed. All right. I'll speak directly into it. <laughs> Do you want to hear about Darkseid more? I, I mean, uh, pretty much the gist. I mean, I think I got the gist. I think I just, you know, the specific plan would be nice. Ah, the plan. The plan is for you to submit yourself to the Lord, to give yourself unto the Lord, as it were, and in doing so, be free from your own will. I see. And now is uh, Darkseid himself coming down to Earth anytime soon? Yes, he will be, but he, I am here just laying the groundwork, as it were. Okay, perfect. I got all the information I need. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm interested. Uh, take, take care. Are you sure you don't want to relieve yourself of the burden of free will? I'm a butler, mate. I've already relieved myself of the burden of free will. Good day to you, sir. Have it your way. Cheerio. Ta-ta for now and whatnot. <laughs> On to the next house. Hey there, let me just uh, do a little bit of a squat right now. Okay, uh, Grayson Residence. My word! I haven't felt such a surge in my loins in such a very long time. Thank you, young man. But anyway, I'm not here for that, as far as I know. I'm here to teach you about the good word of Darkseid, our Dark Lord himself, here to relieve you from the burden of free will. Darkseid? What the? I mean, <coughs> okay, tell, tell me more about this. Well, he's here to, again, relieve all humans and all life from their burden of free will and to send them into the salvation of the Omega Beams. He does not want to destroy half the universe like that other guy. He merely wants to save it. You know, now that you mention it, he does sound a lot nicer than the other guy in wanting to do that. Oh, I just dropped my pencil. Hold on a second. Uh. My word, there goes my pencil as well. Turn back around, boy. It's too much. Okay. I need to see your front side so I can talk about dark side. Okay. I'm ready. Do you not often feel burdened by your own free will? Uh, I guess I do. Yes, tell me more about this as I uh, write down some notes. The freedom of choice is often too much for many. Freedom of choice, often too much for many. Darkseid okay. is the first in the universe to have realized this and is here to relieve you of such burden, as it were. Okay. So what does one have to do in order to join up with uh, Darkseid? Well, I should have said this earlier, but you need what's known as a father box. And if you would just put even the smallest portion of your pinky finger or any of your fingers or your thumb or anything really that juicy butt of yours <laughs> that juicy posterior of yours anything into this consider it as similar as that of signing the dotted line as it were father box huh i don't know about that but i think i have enough information here and i know just the way to get you away Oh, I dropped my pencil again. Ugh. I see that I'm unwanted here, even though I want to be here. I will leave you to your own devices. Onward to the next house. <laughs> Who could this be? <laughs> it is I, Glorious Godfrey, here 
to introduce you to the dark word of the Dark Lord. <laughs> Who might that be? His name is Darkseid. He is here to relieve you of the burden of free will. Indeed, that sounds incredibly stupid. <laughs> Why would you say that's stupid? It is the ultimate relief, as it were. Oh, <laughs> yes. It is stupid because one must have free will, and the burden is just part of that free will, you fucking moron. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I believe there's no convincing you, despite you looking like a moron. You're the smartest person I've talked to this day. Cheerio. <laughs> Indeed. All right, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review-type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superheroesstuffpod, and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. We're just a hodgepodge mismatch of mischievous miscreants. And we're back to cover chapter five, All the King's Horses. See, we can, tr we can cover more than one chapter in one part, can we? Uh, so the beginning of part five, we start with both versions of the Justice League have Flash and Cyborg digging up Superman from his grave. The Snyder version has the whole team there, except for Bruce with Diana and Arthur talking about getting to know each other and marking how you know, it's an Amazon working with an Atlantean. This isn't ironic because they have a history between the both races. And Diana tells Arthur that hate is useless, which probably ties into Arthur's arc, which seems to be about coming around on the whole Atlantean thing. You know, he very much rejects them, but then he kind of has to do this thing for them and sort of starts learning to care more. Uh, Whedon, of course, cuts this character development <laughs> because why have that in this movie? And uh, just as just as Flash and Cyborg digging, and Flash tries to fist bump Cyborg and gets turned down, which prompts Barry to admit uh, that the fist bump was racially charged. And that makes me wonder if this is Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon making fun of Ray Fisher behind the scenes by adding this, because this is not in the Snyder Cut. Uh, it's all tone deaf, like, kind of racist yeah. jokes from the 90s or something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, they're just, like, not... Um, not Apart from even like just the general non wokeness of it all, it just it just mm -hmm. feels nineties to me. And this yeah. is getting to me. I'm going to derail it just for a second, but this is getting a little <laughs> bit ad hominem, a little bit ad hominem attack, mm -hmm. a little bit. I'm going to disclaim it a bit with that, but just to add a little bit more to our um, <laughs> comments about Whedon on a Nerdist interview, uh, I remember. Um, Whedon was being interviewed, and they say, uh, "What's his name? The guy, the guy, the main guy on Nerdist." He says, "You're like the Fubu of, <laughs> you're the Fubu of nerds, which is, oh you know, uh, <laughs> hip hop brand clothing, whatever yeah. the terminology you would say." But he didn't mean anything bad by it. But he was just like, you know, this is during the the days of you know Whedon being very well liked and everything, right? And Whedon was like, "Fubu, what's that?" <laughs> Seriously, had never heard of FUBU, um, and I just thought that that was kind of, um, you know, a little telling, I guess. But I don't know if that adds anything at all to this fucking podcast. But I thought it was interesting. <laughs> I thought it was going to be related to the racially charged stuff, but that's it. <laughs> okay, 
It was good character development for Ranger, I think, and I, I'm glad we yes. kept it. Yeah, in. yeah. Point, <laughs> points for uh, points for Zach, the co-host. Points for you because you're editing this. This is the Andrew. Points, Bush. That's points right. for Zach. <laughs> yes. Points to you guys for listening to me. <laughs> Be an idiot. Uh, in the Snyder version, Barry and Cyborg talk instead about how Superman was Flash's hero, and Barry admits to having a crush on Wonder Woman, asking if Victor thinks that she would go for a younger guy. And Victor brings up that she's 5,000 years old, so every guy is a younger guy to her, which is fun. Uh, but yeah, good insight from Victor there. But yeah, differences in the versions. What did you guys think, Zach? I do think in both versions, Flash could have dug that up a lot faster. Yeah, he does point that out. He does point yeah, that out. Yeah, that's he realized true. We could do this in like a nanosecond. Yeah, of course it just makes every. It, yeah, it's just like we've said. Points to Snyder. Everything's better in that so far as we've been talking about. There's no Pet Cemetery joke, so that's a big <laughs> plus. And this is coming from somebody who likes Pet Cemetery, but it's making light of the fact that Superman is dead and they're going to revive him. It it just makes a a joke out of what they're getting ready to do. So, nope, I don't miss that. Um, yeah, again, everything's better. Not much else to add to it. Andrew? I pretty much already said it in my derailment, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, it, uh, it, it, the Whedon one especially just felt so like a detour and weird and unnecessary. Yeah. And it felt a little bit more part of the whole story in, in, in this one. Um, so, yeah. There is something weird about two Justice Leaguers digging up a Superman's grave to it. That If I'm going to give the point to Snyder, it's going to be about the scene between Arthur and Diana more so than the scene between right, Barry and, and right, Cyborg. Because right, right, right. that was interesting. That was really good. That was better, yeah. It's like the elves and the dwarves in uh, Lord of the Rings, it feels yeah. like. It's yeah, like they exactly. should be. I can't believe I'm fighting next to an Atlantean. How about <laughs> fighting next to a friend? <laughs> you know, that's what it should have. It feels like that kind of <laughs> Uh, let's see. So Snyder 32, Whedon 1.5. Uh, next is the scene between Bruce and Alfred about uh, putting the team together. So Snyder has a scene in the Wayne Aerospace hangar between Bruce and Alfred with Alfred questioning Bruce's plan and Bruce talking about how for once in his life he's operating on faith and not on reason. Whereas Alfred basically brings up, uh, you know, not to wave the red cape at the charging bull of Steppenwolf. Whedon redoes this entire scene. It looks like some section of Bruce's house or the Batcave where Bruce talks about how the team needs Clark and how Superman is, quote, more human than I am, which feels nice given that, uh, you know, that's probably how Batman feels deep down. I'm not going to lie, but it feels like there's this bromance between Batman and Superman that it's they're referring to that we just never saw beforehand, that Whedon is just kind of force-feeding us in uh, his version of the movie. And uh, obviously, just in terms of how it's shot, the, you can tell that it's a Whedon reshoot over the Snyder cut uh, Affleck is a little heavier and uh, the lighting is just a lot more flat as opposed to the more darker color grading that uh, Snyder refers to in this version so but yeah I think the most interesting part of this is Batman talking about operating on faith rather than reason I thought that was an interesting oh I have a I want to comment on that well actually Zach go first Oh, I was just ready to listen to you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't want to break. Uh, I don't want to break our uh, protocol. Oh well. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I thought that part was pretty cool about him saying that he was operating on faith. It was very out of character for Batman, I thought, but uh, it did feel like uplifting at the end of that conversation. Um, and yeah, I definitely didn't like the reshoot things for the Whedon cut. 
I mean, I, I don't want to speak on anyone's appearance, but I did notice a difference in the way that Affleck looks in the Whedon mm-hmm. cut compared to the Snyder cut. And uh, he just looks like he's uncomfortable. I think he looks uncomfortable in the bat suit. It's like too, like, yeah. he can't move his arms or something. So, yeah, I yeah. definitely don't, I don't miss that at all. Andrew? Don't like Batman talking about faith. I just don't. I, I don't. I think it's a different type of faith, but okay. Yeah, but still, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's not religious faith, but well, I guess it's faith in his friends. Just every time they bring it up, it kind of feels like they're hinting at something religious, though. I don't know. Just something about it, because Batman's supposed to be kind of like what a little bit more, because the the whole like being a detective thing. It's it's um objective, empirical data, all that kind of stuff, and he's mm-hmm. definitely like a practical pragmatist and i guess it's its character arc with him having met superman and you know fucking atlanteans and shit at this point and and amazons but just something about that struck me i'm not going to give any points to weed and don't get me wrong but i didn't (laughs) i don't know i just i just didn't like that a whole lot but whatever i think it's interesting because of the fact that you have a character who has been betrayed in the past or has been hurt in the past and didn't have faith in humanity and gained that faith in humanity upon seeing Superman's sacrifice. And so uh, this is a lot more optimistic Batman throughout. Notice how where Diane is like, I'm not sure if I can trust Aquaman when they're going over the footage in the Batcave. Bruce is like, we're all going to have to be there together. Like usually it'd be the other way around. But Bruce has kind of already gone through his whole like, I don't trust people thing in Batman versus Superman. He sort of learned from that. It's also why later on in the movie where you know they're just like look at the odds against us we're fighting the devil and you know all his demons in hell that type of thing and bruce is the one to sort of pep talk them about like how he doesn't care and there's they're going to unite together that type of thing like there's i think there's an element here that is a payoff of the character arc where he is basically like i i believe that we can do this and i have hope that we can do this so maybe it's not necessarily maybe face the wrong word maybe the word is hope in that and hope that Superman gave him. Maybe I, for me, and maybe a lot of people, I, I probably, I'm, you know, I don't know. How can I say this? Yeah, I like the hope idea more because uh, it connects to Superman a lot better. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that liked him saying faith, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Like uh, if he said, for once, Alfred, I'm operating strictly on hope and not on reason. Better. How would you have thought of that? Better. I guess we got to do a, a Ben Juan rewrite then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, faith, faith, faith carries with it a certain baggage. Uh, and I'm not saying that Snyder had that in mind, but mm-hmm. maybe I'm I might be wrong about it. I don't know, but uh, I just uh, I don't know. It's yeah. fine. Not movie breaking. Nitpicky as hell. That's it. Mm-hmm. Batman's operating on his arc that already happened in BVS too, which I find interesting. I thought so too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this, you know, which is it's cool. It's cool. And mm-hmm. when we get to the final battle, I want to bring up there's one more part that I think that hints at his his arc as well that's already happened. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll get to that in probably the final part. Yeah. But the next part is the resurrection sequence where they resurrect Superman. Now this is definitely different. So let's go into it. The Snyder version has Silas Stone at Star Labs already because he was in quarantine. He meets up with Ryan Choi, and then there's this whole evacuation thing that Cyborg fakes, and Silas figures out the evacuation is fake, and then covers for Victor when he realizes that Victor was behind all this. Since this is a Silas Stone subplot, this is obviously cut from the Whedon version. Uh, Snyder shows Batman overlooking the Kryptonian ship before going down to join them. 
Whedon adds a little scene of Wonder Woman showing up and alerting Batman that they're ready. And Batman makes a weak-ass apology about what he said earlier about Steve Treasure, Trevor in the scene by saying, I swear I would never. And she's like, save it. And then, you know, she's not interested in hearing it. So I don't know why they need to add this in. That is in there. It is not in the Snyder Cut. Uh, Snyder's version of Barry takes a while to get through security with Victor needing to manipulate the computer so that Barry can pass as like an army guy for him to get through. This is truncated in the Whedon version. Snyder's version has the team bring Superman's coffin past a bunch of Kryptonian pots and suits, which all sort of come alive because they can sense Kal-El, which is kind of cool. But since it's cool, it's cut from the Whedon version. Uh, <laughs> Carla, Carla Gugino is back as the voice of the Kryptonian ship in the Snyder cut, but she is absent in the Whedon version. Wow. Uh, another major difference is that Snyder shows Lois waking up in bed, which we saw in the beginning of the Whedon cut during the Everybody Knows uh, main title sequence. But in here, it's it's actually in its original placement where she decides that this is going to be the day that she visits the memorial for the last time before she goes in for work and she takes her press pass. And in the drawer is a pregnancy test, which for some reason has the brand name Force Majeure on it. I don't know why. There's a but... movie with that name, but that's like a skiing movie or something. Is it? Yeah. Well, actually, I that's – I think the movie is based – it's a – I think this is terminology that, that – that we're not familiar with. I th- it might okay. be something that we need to Wikipedia. Uh, okay. <laughs> obviously, a French origin um, yeah. might, might mean something more than just a major mm-hmm. force. Yeah. Uh, so. But since we planted Lois's routine to go to the park earlier, uh, this is sort of paying off that she's going to go there later, whereas Batman the Whedon Cut is the one responsible for bringing her over. She's his quote-unquote big gun in that. Uh, both versions has Flash use the speed to connect to the mother box in order to resurrect Superman. However, the Snyder's cut version is much longer with a Flash hinting that he's able to time travel uh, at the right speed. And we see a small version of that where it sort of reverses a few seconds <laughs> so that he can hit it right at the moment when it hits the water. So that's cool. But the biggest thing is that Victor gets a vision of the future with Darkseid killing the League, Darkseid killing Lois with Superman and Mooring with a reused reuse shot of Man of Steel where Darkseid puts his hand on Cavill's shoulder because Henry Cavill wasn't available for reshoots. He was doing The Witcher. Uh, oh, and then shit. we see how this leads into the Nightmare Vision where we get a cameo of the body of the Green Lantern Kilowog on there. Uh, but yeah, this makes it more dramatic because you almost don't want them to resurrect Superman at this point because Cyborg says no and Flash misinterprets him saying go and he goes off and resurrects Superman. So who knows what's going to happen? Uh, well, we know what's going to happen, but to them, they don't know what's going to come about for this. So Anyway, major differences in resurrecting Superman in this part. So we'll leave it at that. What did you guys think about the fact that we had a dark side vision? We got more Silas Stone. We got more Lois Lane. We got Flash talking about time travel. Starting with Zach. Yeah, it was awesome. Just seeing that uh, potential future with dark side was so cool. I was uh, already kind of tapping back into the nightmare sequence that Batman has in batman versus superman so you're already tying back to that and it like you said it does give you this sense like oh maybe they aren't doing the right thing maybe they really shouldn't do this and that leads into like the next scene where i didn't feel that way in the justice league and it's just like you know when superman comes back and he's like gone rogue it's just it's like whatever it just kind of comes out of nowhere (laughs) this one you're building up that uh that anticipation and some anxiety over what they're doing. And I do really like the inclusion of, of Barry using time travel. That little uh, 
small little bit that you see there helps to you know build on what happens later in the film so i think that's really important and it just seems like everything just seems a little bit more important overall i don't know if it's just more of a somber tone or what but it just seems like it was less odd than the justice league i just remember thinking it was weird yeah. when i watched the movie in 2017 i don't know if there was a sense of morbidity about it that felt out of place with the lighthearted, jokey nature of everything mm -hmm. else. But yeah, it just seemed really off. And in this one, it just, you know, it seemed to fit a little bit better in the uh, the method in which they used to, to revive him. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah, I agree. Andrew? I think you're talking about uh, tension once again, man. I mean, he just had better tension in that scene. And Aquaman seemingly, he was the one that's kind of most against it, right? Most vocal yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah like, he's just like, we need to abort. I like their differing opinions. That's cool. Uh, it's mm -hmm. always good to see that in these uh, team-up flicks. And, um, uh, yeah, obviously Snyder again. Um, I think it would – the only thing – and I, they probably didn't have the budget for it because they had budget for it, goddamn everything else. But it would have been cool to have, like, Flash be like, I'm going to need some speed-up room. And he, so he goes to Antarctica or something. <laughs> and then, <laughs> poof, you know, fucking runs back to that spot like – that would have been cool. That was, the, what was one of the main things I was thinking. It was like, it's cool he can get up that fast in that short of amount of time, but if he needed – this, this is a move that he's never really done before. So he was probably like – I just thought it would be yeah. cool if he, if he had a little bit more run-up room. That's, ex <laughs> again, extremely nitpicky. Not – doesn't ruin the scene. Obviously, Snyder yeah. again. Um, but, uh, yeah, Snyder uh, – the, the Whedon one, I, I don't think that – that was just like felt flat pretty much, right? Like it just pretty wasn't much, much like to it. They cut a lot of it because there wasn't a feeling of, like, we shouldn't do this. Yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. It was Aquaman being like, this is nuts. We shouldn't do this. But you just didn't get why. He was just he was just saying it because it was the lines out of context. It's Yeah, it's interesting because it's probably something they wouldn't normally do. I mean, it's, it's technology that they don't know what the fuck a mother box is. They don't know what's mm -hmm. going to happen. But they do know Darkseid is coming. And they they just got to do – they got to take this risk. You have to take this risk. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a everything about this is more powerful. Seeing more of Silas Stone, seeing more of Lois Lane uh, is good. Like Lois Lane, you know, Cyborg is one emotional. Cyborg and his dad is one emotional through line of the movie. Lois Lane is the other emotional through line for me personally. Uh, on that, and it's just seeing her with that and intercutting her almost being ready to let go of Superman at the same time that they're resurrecting Superman. Uh, was definitely a, a very nice move, I think, on, on Snyder's part. And it's the the time travel thing I was not expecting to play a role here, but it makes a lot of sense because you kind of need that in order to plant what's going to happen at the very end. So that was awesome. The CG with some of the dark side stuff was a little distracting when I was just like, that's definitely Henry Cavill from Man of Steel. Uh, but, I mean, I'll, I'll take it over not seeing it. You know, like it does create so much more of a dramatic thing of like, we shouldn't do this. And the fact that he is fighting the Justice League afterwards says like, OK, we fucked up, which is why Aquaman is so vocal about the fact that, you know, he basically blames them for the death of Silas Stone later in this. So anyway, a lot more epic, a lot more emotional. Snyder, 34, win 1.5. <laughs> no, I, I think he's going to catch up. 
<laughs> He's going to catch up. <laughs> There's still a chance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next major Snyder versus Whedon is the Heroes Park fight with Superman. Now, this is epic. Uh, in both versions, they fight Superman. And in the Snyder version, the military shows up. In the Whedon cut, it's just a few cops. Uh, some felt it was weird that Wonder Woman calls Superman Kal-El. Because they're just like, why would she call him that? Does she even know that's his name? But Zod called him Kal-El to the rest of the world in Man of Steel. So the whole world knows his name, and she's 5,000 years old. So she at one point would have caught that. Uh, because, you know, even if she's hiding away from the rest of the world, she probably still has some access to the internet and, and television. So that's probably what happened. Uh, the Snyder Cut has more of Superman fighting the team with each member attempting to take him down. It also has Cyborg saving the cop, played by former Jimmy Olsen, Mark McClure, who is in the background of the Whedon Cut. You just can't tell that it's him. Uh, also has Batman saving the military. That's cool. Uh, other Snyder fans have brought up comparison videos showing, and this is this is something else, but I've seen the videos and I, I watched the scenes back to back and they're absolutely right on this. Wonder Woman fights Superman, right? And Superman does the whole thing where he like kind of flies up before he headbutts her. In the Whedon version, Gal Gadot's sound, uh, her her groans in the in the Whedon oh, version no. are eighty yard oh, is no. sound more sensual sounding. Oh no! When getting hit. <laughs> oh no, man! I didn't notice that. Oh. I didn't notice that either. It was oh, only when I saw that man. video. I was like, wait a minute! And then when I was reviewing both scenes in in the movie, I'm like, yeah, that nobody was fucking around with that as a fan. Like that's actually in both versions. That's actually in the Whedon version. I mean. Ugh. Uh, Snyder obviously corrects this uh, in it because there's no reason for it to sound like that uh, in there. Uh, but the biggest difference, of course, is the ending of the sequence. In the Whedon cut, Superman goes after Batman with his heat vision. Uh, well, sorry, in the Snyder cut, sorry, Superman goes after Batman with his heat vision and Batman is saved by his gauntlets. Whereas in the Whedon version, Superman and Batman have a chat where Superman says, do you bleed back to Batman in a mocking way, which Snyder is on record for saying that makes no sense. Uh, before Superman can kill him, Lois arrives and saves Bruce's life in both versions, just like how Lois helped save Superman from Batman killing him in the previous movie. In the Snyder Cut, she arrives there on her own after seeing what's been going on at Heroes Park and seeing she literally sees Clark flying when she's walking away from there. And so she comes back. So that's why. In the Whedon Cut, she's there as part of Batman's contingency plan. She's the quote-unquote big gun. Uh, in the Snyder Cut, however, the real reason Superman stands down in this scene seems like it's because that Lois Lane has shown up or because of what Aquaman says where he's just like she's the only one who wasn't afraid of him however this is what something that Snyder says Snyder says quote when Lois comes to him in Heroes Park he can sense that she's pregnant and that learning that he'd become a father is definitely reason enough for Clark to remember his true self and that's what causes him to snap out of it it's subtle uh, in the movie because we get the pregnancy test and then later on, Bruce's last line to Clark is, congratulations, by the way, when he's walking him back to the house, which is not in the Whedon cut. Uh, so Lois Lane is pregnant at the end of this movie. Uh, we also got the extra joke from Whedon of Batman getting up and saying, something's definitely bleeding, which I don't think anybody liked. I definitely remember the theater <laughs> laughing, though, for some reason. When I watched it, I was just like, really? Okay. That's, uh, uh, yeah. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Anyway. Big differences between the Superman fight with everybody. What did you think, Zach? Ooh, I totally didn't know that Lois was pregnant. Uh, I must have missed that one little thing he said at the very end. Like you said, it was a much more subtle uh, indication. So, uh, yeah, I missed that. But, yeah, overall, it was just so much better. Just the the uh, 
loss of the groan worthy line from Batman about something's <laughs> definitely bleeding. It was a right uh, a vast improvement. I hated that. That was probably like my least favorite thing from the Justice League was uh, just made Batman into such a wimp. And that was just, I don't know, it was really bad. And I liked the fact that in the Snyder Cut, you actually got to see him use those sweet gauntlets and he got like pushed back into the car and everything. And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, he, you could really see that Superman was pretty much out to kill him. Uh, just everything seemed more serious. Like the threat was more valid than it was mm -hmm. in the Whedon cut. Um, yeah, I, I just remember definitely. not being engaged at all in the Whedon cut because I knew that Superman was going to go uh, go rogue but then go back to being good in a relatively mm -hmm. short amount of time because of the uh, length of the movie in general and where this uh, part was placed at in the pacing of the movie. But I can see how in like a four-hour movie it definitely works better because you have that time for Superman to kind of come back to, uh, you know, that role instead of just like an immediate turnaround. Uh, it's mm -hmm. not like breakneck speed of like, all right, I'm back to life. Now I'm bad. All right, I'm okay again. Now I'm going to be Superman in the Justice League. It's <laughs> right. You have that time to breathe in the Snyder mm -hmm. Cut. And yeah, just uh, that and uh, Lois being there on her own again is more important. It's something, uh, criticism that we had in Batman versus Superman was that she was a damsel in distress multiple uh -oh. times. But in this one, it's, uh, you know, she's the one that is there of her own volition and it's part of her routine that she's there every morning. So I think her kind of saving Batman in the same way that her kind of stepping in to save Superman in the previous movie, I think that was really uh, important, especially that, you know, she was there on her own and not as part of Bruce's contingency plan. Definitely, definitely. I agree with that. Andrew? We talked about this off-air, I think, Ben, but at first I was like, mm, was, would it be cool if, if Batman had the contingency plan? I forgot about it being in the Whedon one. Like, would mm -hmm. it be cool if he, if he uh, the, ter the terminology is bad maybe, but if he used her for his plan to mm -hmm. stop Superman, um, you know, that that was interesting but it loses um uh, you know lois lane loses agency there and um mm -hmm. she goes there every day so it loses you know it's not connected to her mourning process either you know all those se sequences so it's um yeah it's better that lois does it herself plus i didn't think about that but yeah i, I mean i noticed the force majeure test mm -hmm. I, I i okay it's like okay why would they hint at this if she's not pregnant so at that point you're like okay she's definitely pregnant Right. And I didn't put the two and two together. But that's an excellent point. Um, he probably and you don't. What are you going to do? Cut to an ultrasound of X-rays, X-ray visions of a, of the of the fetus. That's like you know she's only like what? Oh, I don't know. She's not that far along though. We the know, fetus we waves at Superman. Yeah, but he he knows that she's pregnant, <laughs> and it's like, damn, dude, that is really good. That's really good. That's another. It's another way for Superman to just kind of like snap out of it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, the other parts of the fight scene were mostly the same in Whedon, though, right? Because this sequence really is stellar, and I think that yeah. Whedon didn't change a lot of that. N he basically did some cuts, and that's about it. Like, yeah. there's not really a lot added to it except for Superman dialogue, because because in the Snyder cut, Superman doesn't say anything in the sequence. Yeah, I love like 
A lot of people don't like Superman because he's too powerful, but man, just the whole league going up to Superman, he's just like, do, 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 grabbing all these motherfuckers like, witness my power, motherfucker, you know? Especially the Flash. <laughs> yeah. When he sees the Flash with his eyes, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, the Flash is completely horrified because he's never had that, you know, that happen to him before, except, <laughs> I guess, a real quick thing with Iris, but, uh, mm-hmm. but um, definitely more horrifying with Superman nonetheless. And, right, especially since that was his hero. Yeah, that's his hero. So um, that was one of my favorite parts from Whedon, and that's obviously in the Snyder shot. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was uh, that was one of the funniest parts of the movie for me. Was just Evan Miller's f- reaction, man, <laughs> and just Superman being a fucking badass. So yeah. yeah. One an Easter egg to note is that when Superman looks like he's about to take down Flash with his heat vision, Flash raises his hand like this. Uh huh. Which he does at the end when everybody gets wiped out by the unity and he does this to stop time. So let's oh, plant shit. it there really quickly. Oh, that shit. That he might be tempted to do this if Superman's actually going to blast him with a heat vision. Right. So nice little things there. Nice little threads there that Snyder's putting in. But yeah. I think Snyder wins anything Superman just because of the CG face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's just, and it's the, automatic. I can't. And I the can't action, obviously. Uh, well, and, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I mean everything, dude. I mean, no, do you bleed? Something's definitely bleeding. That type of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. The lowest, the lowest lane thing. You know, going back into that, like I, I agree with you guys. I like, like I think it's very well planted, as Dustin said in like our first, uh, our first part. It's very well planted that she goes there like every day. So the fact that she would arrive there doesn't seem so coincidental. Uh, on that, and I guess the only downside when you compare it to, to the Whedon version, is that Batman might seem more foolish to not have that contingency plans. But A, how would he really know that Superman would come back evil? Uh, other than, I mean, sure, he's got the nightmare visions, but that was way back. Uh, but B, he does talk about, you know, operating more on faith than on reason uh, on this. Uh, if you are going to do Batman getting Lois for this, I feel like that's something we should see, though. I feel like we need an interaction between these two characters, because think about it. Whedon has us believe that Lois now knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman and sent Alfred to go get her and be like, hey, we're resurrecting your dead boyfriend and uh, we need you in the car just so that we can, just in case he's evil. Like, that's pretty much what it is. And Lois is just like fine with that and it isn't like, hey, you guys tried to kill him in the last movie. How about you go fuck yourself? Like, Batman was nothing- like, Lois is my ace in the hole. Yeah, like if you're gonna do it, that's cool. But actually, like do it dramatically. Like have a scene between Batman and Lois, and Lois might be mad at him because of the fact that he nearly killed Superman in the previous movie. Like maybe she blames Batman or something. There's no interaction between Batman and Lois at all. Right. uh, Right. I mean, either cut, but I mean, at least in the Snyder cut, you're not supposed to have one. It's, It's not expected to have an interaction between Batman and Lois over here whereas in the Snyder one I mean in the Whedon one it's like yeah like Alfred would go went and got her but then when you think about it I'm just like that's kind of weird that's really really weird so uh, Snyder 35 Whedon 1.5 one second so before we move on um, the Kal-El thing with Wonder Woman I that more or less worked for me because she's from Themyscira she's from another world essentially Mm -hmm. um, still on Earth but still you know and I think that she uses that to me, just like she uses that because, I mean, she knows it from Zod, obviously, like you said, but she mm-hmm. might prefer that because they're both other world people, kind of. You know what I mean? I it, I just think that's fine. I think it's fine that she uses Kal-El here. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't bother me. 
at all. Like she's trying yeah. to remind him who he is. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, maybe she'll use Kal El, maybe she'll use Clark Kent, but either way, like the, the same dramatic point is made. I right. I just feel like it's it's it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. It doesn't even work anyway. It's not like she said Kal El and suddenly it, it just solved everything. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Final sequence up here is how Steppenwolf gets the mother box. So in the Whedon cut, the mother box drops. I mean, in both versions, the mother box drops in the parking lot of Star Labs. And uh, in the Whedon cut, very dramatic, Steppenwolf gets the mother box from the parking lot. End <laughs> Whedon cut section. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> what parking He's lot like, is mother. it? Is it, is it TJ Maxx or what kind of par- <laughs> what parking lot is it? Trader Joe's. Steppenwolf's like, can you validate my parking for mother? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, in the Snyder Cut, though, there's a completely different sequence. Silas Stone sees the mother box in the parking lot. He sees that it's awake. He takes off his jacket so he can transport it because he knows that's going to alert Steppenwolf, the guy he had who had kidnapped him. And he goes into the lab and he marks it with the electron laser, sacrificing himself in front of Victor so that Victor and the Justice League can track it. Steppenwolf goes off with uh, the mother box and uh, Victor Stone talks to the rest of the league. Aquaman feels like this is their fault and uh, Victor figures out the location of everything and they decide uh, to go to the Batcave to find everything and uh, Victor pulls a Captain America and says, let's go find the son of a bitch, which is the same line said in the beginning of Avengers Endgame when they're talking about that. I forgot about that. Yeah. So uh, somebody edited uh, that to cut to the Avengers Endgame (laughs) title instead (laughs) of Chapter 7. Yeah. (laughs) Keep in mind, this was still shot before uh, Avengers Endgame. But anyway, Mm. uh, let's go into the vast differences here in terms of your thoughts. I think it's pretty obvious, you know. (laughs) Whedon wins because of the parking lot, right? (laughs) (laughs) TJ Maxx. Firehouse subs, parking lot. So this is one criticism I have, and this is something me and Tony talked about. Why did Silas Stone have to get into that little area? I agree with that. Yeah, to yeah. mark it with like the laser, because that's all like all we were talking about later is like why did he sacrifice himself? Couldn't he have stood outside of that glass containment unit and pressed the button? I wasn't. Right. I wasn't like, sure. I didn't think about that. I wasn't sure about that. I do feel like the fact that he is sacrificed is a important part of the film and another loss to Victor Stone in his character art to becoming a part of this team and becoming, uh, you know, more human and accepting his abilities. I just wish that it had happened differently. Like if Steppenwolf had killed Silas, I think that yeah. would have worked better. It just seems so... Unnes- his death seemed unnecessary to me. Like, why did he have to stand in there to do it? All he had to do was press the button. Couldn't he have stood yeah. outside the glass? Couldn't he have, like, stood somewhere else? I, that's the only part I didn't get. Otherwise, yeah, I think it's a very powerful scene, especially because, you know, Cyborg sees that. Maybe he did that, um, you know, Snyder made that choice because it's another act of heroism that, uh, you know, Cyborg's father is portraying to him mm-hmm. so it's like another beat like where you know this is my dad and he just uh you know accepts him and respects him more than he did at the beginning of the film but i just don't understand why he had to sacrifice himself logically in the scene mm-hmm. right andrew i agree 
uh, it, it felt a little bit too much, kind of. I mean, they wanted it's they, a little they, Kevin they, Costner in the tornado type of thing. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. They wanted they're trying to force an emotional beat, uh, and that uh, I, I was thinking like, is he in there because he's trying to lead them in there, and then it was so he could laser them along with him or something? You know what I mean? Is that is that the plan? Uh, so that didn't work, but you know, it is better than a TJ Maxx parking lot. So <laughs> I think Snyder still gets the point. Yes. yes, he does. So, I mean, it's self-sacrifice always going to be powerful pretty much, uh, in storytelling. Right. Uh, but, uh, when you force it like that, it does lose a little bit of the oomph to it. So, um, and now he's without both parents <laughs> and I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe yeah. if he had tried to use that laser to kill Steppenwolf, like maybe if he had tried to goad him in there with him, yeah. but then like yeah. it, it still yeah. failed because it didn't hurt Steppenwolf, but it killed him. Maybe then I guess it would have made sense that just, yeah, self-sacrifice is good, but it's felt unnecessary. Like there was no yeah. Yeah. reason for it. You didn't have to do that. So it just, I don't know. That part is the only thing that kind of irked me a little bit uh, from the get-go right when I saw yeah. it. A little bit more yeah. Iron Man, less Captain America. You know, yeah. the whole, like, step on the wire or fall on the wire or oh, cut yeah. the wire. Yeah. It was kind of, you know. Yeah. 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 I think, because other people criticize, like, well, if Cyborg can control technology, why couldn't you just use the electron laser to not, to, like, stop doing that? And I was like, yeah, that's a decent point. Uh, but he probably would, like, if you change the scene where he's outside of the thing and he's having the electron laser and Steppenwolf just thinks he's trying to destroy it. And then Cyborg arrives just when Steppenwolf uses the axe and hacks his dad down, you know. Then you can pretty much have the same type of beat. Mm-hmm. You could even right. have, like, you know, Silas have some dying words to Victor. And you also get, like, Victor has more of a reason to hate Steppenwolf even more because Steppenwolf has a more direct role as opposed yes. to his dad just deciding to, to do that that is kind of because of Steppenwolf, you know. So, like, I, I understand and I agree with you, Zach, on that. I think the same emotional beat could be reached in a different way. It, to me, it's not the same thing as the whole Kevin Costner and the tornado thing in uh, Man of Steel, but it it's almost close. But you could you could just tweak it a little bit, mm-hmm. and and it would it would work better. Yeah. But uh, I and it was fine. I also think it's I wish we heard something from Batman to say something to Victor because he's the only person in that room who has also lost the father in front of his own eyes. Right. And right, we right. just don't really hear anything from him on that. Cause like Aquaman's dad is still alive. Uh, you know, Flash's dad is still alive. Wonder Woman's dad is flat out Zeus. So she doesn't even have a relationship with her dad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's basically like Batman would be the one person and he doesn't say yeah. anything to Victor about it. And you would think he would at least have a, say something to him that you would imagine he would have said to Dick Grayson years ago, mm-hmm. you know, or at like least that's... a reaction of some sort, you know, maybe it's too, mm-hmm. maybe it might be too quick in that scene to be like, come, let me talk to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. Right. I don't know. But or just at least just like one line. Cause really yeah. it seems like Aquaman is the most sympathetic about mm-hmm. it. Where yeah, it's just like yeah. his dad's dead because of us. And you know, we, this is all our fault. And like, look at this kid, you know, like we're, he's the one who seems to be the most sympathetic towards it, which I think is fine. But also I'm just like, Batman would have sympathy at least for that mm-hmm. because he's, oh, yeah. he knows what it's like to see parents die in front of you. So, uh, that's it's kind of weird that there isn't that beat. Maybe it was cut. Who knows? But it's yeah. still a, an emotional moment despite not having those elements. So I would say Snyder, 36. Whedon, 1.5. He has not gotten a point since part one. 
Man. of this series. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that is how we will end it, and that is superhero stuff you should know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We got a few uh, fan comments. One actually is very relevant to this episode. This one from Kieran Jones. He says, quote, Danny Elfman had the weirdest score for Justice League. He put the Superman theme song, the John Williams one, when Supes was about to murder the Flash. That's not when you use a character's theme. That's a hopeful score. It's the embodiment of Superman at his best, <laughs> and he just copy-pasted where Superman is about to kill the Justice League. Good job, Elfman. That's not time constraints as working storyboards. That's stupidity. Uh, I actually have an interesting thing on that. It's pretty funny, though. Uh, (laughs) Elfman comments funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elfman said in an interview that he saw Superman, the John Williams Superman theme, as a quote unquote a melody to twist, and I'm using it in an actually very dark way in a dark moment on that. So uh, I think Elfman was deliberately actually doing that. You're not supposed to. uh, Mm. Like, Superman's theme is associated with that, is associated with him being the most hopeful one at his best, and I think Elfman was trying to twist that. Now, whether or not he succeeded in that is up to you you obviously Kieran doesn't feel like it was but it is interesting to note that that was a deliberate choice on Elfman's part part. Uh, Junkie XL actually does something differently where he doesn't really twist the Superman theme but he actually uses the theme music from General Zod and the Phantom Zone villains during that moment where Superman is all evil to sort of convey the evil Kryptonian (laughs) so there's a lot of like guys twisting other composers themes Danny Elfman is twisting John Williams's Superman theme and Junkie XL is twisting Hans Zimmer's General Zod themes from uh, Man of Steel so uh, but that's very interesting thank you Kieran for that alright next one is from a user named Sketchcraft he says quote man I love these deep dives into the unproduced scripts I read them all 20 years ago you can buy anything at Comic Con (laughs) <laughs> and only now got to listen to in-depth conversations about them. Wow, that's a long time to go without yeah. having, having heard any discussion. He says, the Ham, uh, the Sam Ham Batman Return script was so good with a few less set pieces and more character development that would have been such a mighty sequel. That's cool. Uh, and the last one is from Mr. Glass Spider, who uh, had, he had a negative reaction to something that we said in Mask of the Phantasm, Oops. where uh, we said... <laughs> We didn't know or feel like we knew who the Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne Batman was. He said, quote, oh, come on, don't know who Wayne 89 Returns is. He's the guy who's kind, getting nuts, getting consumed by Batman. He's unsure if he wants to continue crime fighting or not, so he's looking for someone, a woman, to take him out of all this mess uh, to live a normal life, but he can't. So he continues his crime fighting because nobody else can, just like in Mask of the Phantasm. Guys, it's all there. Just because it's not presented to you as some lengthy dialogue doesn't mean it's not there. <laughs> it's subtle, not as obvious as in Mask of the Phantasm, hidden, but it's there. Just look for it. So, uh, this is an interesting comment because he's, in a way, he's not wrong. You know, that, that element is in there. But I would say this kind of go- ties into what we've been talking about with Snyder versus critics, where it's just like there's a difference between intention and execution. I personally don't know anybody who was rooting for Bruce Wayne to really get together with Vicky Vale that much in Batman 89. Yeah. It was mainly just him fighting Joker because it's just it's just kind of a very generic love story. It's not even much of a love story. They have one date, and then she's just like, you know, I just want to know right. we're going to try to love each other. And right. he's just like, yeah, well, you know, maybe we should have a second date first uh, <laughs> on that. So it's, it's weirdly, it's already a love story on that, and it's not conveyed in the same way. And he's like, not. Yes, I get what you mean. He's not looking to stop being Batman in Batman 89. I don't ever get that sense. It's not like he's right. talking to his parents' grave 
and he's like, well, right. I know I made this promise, but now I can't do it anymore. No, he's mm-hmm. he's pretty uh, obsessed with being Batman, and he's his main goal is to stop the Joker. Even when Vicky does like come into the cave after Alfred lets her in, that he ends the conversation. He's like, you know, but I've got to work tonight. He's out there, yeah, yeah. and I've got to go to work. And then at the mm-hmm. end, we know whenever you have that last dialogue from Vicky, Batman's up. He's sta- he's in the bat suit. He's standing on the top of a building, looking at this mm-hmm. shiny new bat signal. He's like, he's not leaving that anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's I, like whatever. There might, there might be a temptation, but there's definitely like it doesn't feel like that much of a dramatic dilemma mm-hmm. in that it it probably was more in the original Sam Ham script, but it's not really in the final movie, in my opinion. Maybe a little more so in Batman Returns because yeah. it seems like he has a little bit more of an emotional reaction to uh, to Selena Kyle on that but it's just not the same again there's just a difference in intention and the way that you execute it and I think Master of the Phantasm like sure it has more dialogue on it but you feel it more mm-hmm. you feel just the relation like every time I watch Master of the Phantasm I don't want Andrea Beaumont to be the Phantasm I don't want her to leave and I want both of them to be together and him not to be Batman in some way like it's weirdly the only movie I watch where like I kind of don't want him to turn into Batman because of every- how well everything's set up as opposed to in 89 or returns i'm not really feeling that i'm not really feeling like oh like i wish he should just give up the cow and settle with kim basinger like at no point does that ever cross my mind i'm just like okay this is cool mm-hmm. <laughs> nice batmobile sequence like i'm not really feeling that with that as much as i like you know grew up with that movie but yeah thank you for that comment mr glass spider thank you over to you, Andrew, with the shoutouts. Oh, yeah, man. Don't you know it's time. Thank you to our Patreon supporters, Shasta, Leon O, Super Emperorman, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noir, Asger's Web, Jeffrey R, Eric J, Scott V, and now to our other supporters, Sparker Geddon, STCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kugi Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, Ian H, Walter the Wobot, and John Wells. Please join the Shasta Army. That's the $1 tier on Patreon.com slash Superhero Stuff Pod. And then the $5 tier is the whole other show released every Friday. This show, if you've been following us, you know that it comes out on Monday. And then our Patreon show comes out on Friday. $5 tier. Cancel cancel anytime. Um, so, yeah, it's all about a dollar an episode pretty much. Um, maybe a little over a dollar, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, Superhouse merch also, we have that, and that's at superhousepod.redbubble.com, tpublic.com slash user slash superhousepodcast5000, or threadless superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Get your Indeed Man mugs, get your Ben Man shirts, all the rest. Um, <laughs> it's there. And then uh, please leave us a review in iTunes. Uh, and also please uh, record us a little something on your phone and your phone recorder app, and then send that audio recording whatever it is could be whatever the fuck and send that to superhousepodcast at gmail.com and you too can be on the show and then also uh if you want to if you got the gumption please uh animate our sketches if you want just one thing that we ask is put our name and the hashtag or whatever name of the show or hashtag the name of 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 a superhero stuff pod superhero stuff you should know either one would work um put it in the video itself if you do it and um, maybe at the bottom corner the whole time, that would be great. Uh, and of course, hashtag us as well uh, under that. But really more important than the hashtag under it 
in the caption is the hashtag in the video if you don't mind if you do do that but uh, we do welcome you to do that if you if you so desire um, I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter I'm Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube and thunderwolflives.com go to all those places to see uh, me talk about Japanese shit Ben you can follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuperHeroStuffPod. My personal Instagram is BenWanWriter. And my cat's Instagram, for any of you cat fans, is AlfiePennyworthCat. <laughs> if you, you like meet cats. My, <laughs> yes, you can meet my ginger cat who has a bow tie. Uh, my website is BenWanWriter.com, where you can read my Gotham script uh, there. And I also have my own YouTube channel that is linked at the bottom that, for now, just has... Uh, clips from this podcast on different pitches but eventually there'll be some of my own audios on there also for any of you listeners who are fans of ours but uh, have kids who uh, obviously are too young to be listening into the podcast but you're interested in uh, anything for them I do have an upcoming kids comic it's called Earl E. Bird and I hold one of the advanced copies here uh, you can find it at earl-e-bird.com there's no www though uh, and uh, you can check that out. I think there are pre-orders, uh, but I'm not in charge of that. It's basically characters that my friend created, and I wrote uh, some superhero-y stories starring Early Bird. So nice. uh, that is uh, hopefully going to be available on that website, but that is for me. Over to you, Zach. As usual, you can follow me, and you can see my artwork on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, it's all Zachary Jackson Brown art, and you can see a lot of my stuff on ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com, and you can buy some of my prints, and I've got some t-shirts on there. I did this last time too, but you can buy one of these Smilex brand t-shirts. Oh, yeah. uh, I've oh, got all yeah. the sizes left over, so if uh, you want some uh, exclusive Smilex brand products, you know where to go. <laughs> Back to Ben. Awesome. Well, we are going to hopefully wrap up this Justice League discussion. I feel like we can knock out chapters six and seven with Andrew, with Zach, and Dustin Lee Massey. We'll be here next time. I know it because I have faith. Anyway. <laughs> He's operating on faith for once. Good one. Yes, I am. Good one. So, faith, Andrew. Faith. And on that note, we will say goodbye. See you next time. Yeah.